Good evening. 오늘 같은 날 한국말로 설교할 수 있으면 얼마나 좋을까요? <웃음> Today would have been such an exciting day had I been invited to preach in my native tongue Korean. <웃음> Are you ready to pray for the gift of tongue to understand my English? <웃음> We Koreans are really excellent in praying, even for gift of tongue. <laughs> my name is Ryu Eng Yeol. When Dr. Fuller pronounced my name, I thought somebody else has come here to preach. <laughs> you are forgiven. <laughs> Ryu, Ryu is like a you, but we Koreans do not pronounce R in the first syllable, so we Koreans pronounce just you. Yu Eng Yeol is my name. We put our last name in the first syllable, so first place. So we do not call like a Brett Fuller, Fuller Brett. Ryu Eng Yeol is my last name. Last name always come in the first place. We are family-oriented country. And my name is really hard to pronounce even for Koreans, so all of you are forgiven. <laughs> my American brothers call me David. <laughs> and I, yes, really my privilege and my honor to share the gospel with you, my brothers and sisters here. Especially I really respect and honor my brother in Christ, actually my older brother in Christ, Akular. <laughs> I thank you so much for your great work, dedication, and the living word of God before God. Uh, feeding God's people with a li- really living message from heaven. Also, we uh, used to have a brother, Jun O, Pastor Jun, for he was our pastor for 10 years, and during those years, many of our youth members were converted and they came to know Christ and follow Jesus. So it is a blessing that you have him here. here. <laughs> Thank you for your great work. Uh, it is a urgent. Oh, did you read the scripture? Not yet. Yeah, let me let me read the scripture for you, sir. Second uh, Timothy chapter four, verses one through eight. Would you like to all stand up to God's word, if possible? I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with a complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to sweet their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drinking offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous we judge, will award to me on that day, 
and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is an urgent and exciting privilege to proclaim God's word tonight here in the context we ourselves are in today. What context am I talking about? Last summer, I visited three European countries which are now in mission fields. In the United Kingdom, only 4% of England population attend church once a month. And only 2% attend weekly. Protestants are only 4.6% and Muslims are over 6%. It is not just the church in England that is facing a dire circumstance. When I visited France, Jean Calvin Theological Seminary in Aix-en-Provence, France, there are almost no seminaries in France which believe the Bible as the word of God. Protestantism is only 1% in French population, while Islam has passed 10%. During my visit to Sevilla Camino Global Seminary in Spain, Spain is called the graveyard of Protestantism. Like it's just in France, less than 1% of a population has the Protestant faith. The sobering truth is that spiritually the European church is bracing through dark ages. It is hard to say that the United States is faring any better. While the names of Puritans still ring in the halls of our seminaries and schools, their faith has long been forgotten in society. Classrooms that used to open with a morning prayer now forbid each students from greeting each other Merry Christmas. In June 2016, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States, the PCUSA, held its 222nd General Assembly in the state of Oregon. They had invited a Muslim leader to the assembly for opening prayer. And this is what he prayed. Allah, bless us and bless our families and bless our Lord. Lead us on the straight path, the path of all the prophets, Abraham, Ismail, Isaac, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad. May peace be upon this prophet. There were four candidates for the moderator of the General Assembly. When they were asked whether Jesus is the only way to salvation, only one candidate said yes. Religious pluralism and relativism sweeps over American church like a curtain now. And this curtain extends over the world in the forms of humanism, atheism, and materialism. Its fingers paralyze our society with fear and hopelessness. So, how can you change this world, the world that God has created so beautifully? Several years ago, I traced 
Paul's footprints when I visited Turkey. Not only was I covered head to toe in sunblock because of the blazing sun, I experienced nights that were below freezing, poisonous desert snakes, and intense loneliness. This was a mere glimpse of the hardship that our brother Paul had gone through in his day. His life was filled with persecution and suffering. The elements were against him. He was hunted by religious leaders, thieves, and assassins. The best rest Paul probably had experienced was on board sinking ship. When he writes this letter to his beloved protege, Timothy, Paul is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, awaiting death. And second, Timothy is the last letter that he wrote. In the world's eyes, hopelessness is the only word that could describe Paul right now. Paul's impending death boiled his life purpose down into one purpose, one meaning, which says in verse 1, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Preach the word. This was the ultimate hope that Paul was holding on to. It was the one hope that he wanted to instill into his beloved son in spirit. Because to a fallen world occupied by fallen humanity, the gospel of Jesus is the only hope that will only continue to increase in relevance. Scripture promises that whoever believes in Jesus he or she will escape from God's judgment and gain eternal life in God's presence. Amen? Amen. This is the truth that church in England, church in the U.S., church in Korea can rely upon. If we forsake the message of the cross in pursuit of a cultural or religious relevance, we can offer no hope to this world. Three years ago, the Reverend Missionary Daniel Choi, who is working in UK now, came to our church KSBC to share the gospel for three days for revival service. He proclaimed that the liberalism in UK is the number one reason that the Christian faith is diminishing in the UK. Recently, BBC asked 103 pastors whether they believed that God created the universe in six days, literally. Only three replied yes. Eight replied no. And the rest of them said, I don't know. When we fail to believe that the Bible is the truth, humanity has no hope. If the God that appeared in Scripture fails to represent the true God, then he is neither creator nor savior but merely a figment of our imagination. Is there a gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ? The unfortunate reality is yes. There are other gospels packaged in the name of Christianity. This is true in Paul's time as well. In verse 4 and 3, 
Paul describes a gospel that entertains the ears of men and satisfies their desires. The self-help gospel, the prosperity gospel, the gospel of cheap grace, all of this disfigure the gospel of Jesus Christ and drive people away from the truth. A false gospel focuses on the inherent worthiness of humanity and attempts to bend, flex, mold God to suit our needs. But the sound doctrine of the cross tells us that God alone is supremely worthy. The real gospel tells us it is we who must be transformed if we are to have any relationship with God at all. Beloved brothers and sisters, we must remember the gospel never intended to target the ears, but the heart. Philosophy, religion, and ethics will never change the heart. Only the gospel of Jesus is meant to carry that burden. However, not only is it crucial for us to have a Current, correct understanding of the gospel. There is a something, something more important. Paul commands us to preach the gospel in season and out of season. Preaching the gospel was an automatic response by Paul when he came in contact with Jesus. His preaching and teaching ministry in the synagogue and in the court of a Roman king was merely a natural reflex to encountering the true gospel. Circumstance, context was irrelevant to Paul, whether it was in or out of a season, whether he was in jail or before seizure, Paul preached the cross. This is the one common trait that characterizes all of us here, that we have an uncontrollable impulse to talk about Jesus. This is why John Stott proclaimed the living God is a missionary God. This is why Charles Spurgeon cried out, if anyone tells me to put on a crown and rule over nation, I will reply, I have no time for such trivial things. I will place my entire life to share the gospel of my Lord Jesus. Let me ask you one simple question. When was the last time that you shared the name of Jesus? How many people have come to Christ when you shared the gospel? You'd be surprised how many Christians find it hard to answer this question. Last summer, about 300 members of our church went on missionary short missions to more than 13 countries. 11 of them participated in the Arise 2017 program held in Brentwood, UK. They went from door to door, knocking each door to share the gospel. Many Christians see this as awkward, offensive, and inefficient. We are Korean immigrant churches, not fluent in English, but they knocked every door to door to share the gospel. The results were 
astonishing. Many pastors in England were taken back by the number of people who put their faith in Christ on the doorsteps of their homes. Brothers and sisters, please remember, the reason that evangelism does not happen is because we do not evangelize. There are many people whom God is seeking now. If we boldly come to them, there must be some people who are waiting for this gospel. In verse 5, Paul tells Timothy to endure hardship for the sake of the gospel. Endure hardship. What kind of hardship are we talking about here? Some years ago, I had the privilege to lead a conference for European missionaries hailing from Germany, England, France, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Russia, Israel, and Middle East. These are people who really committed their whole lives to the gospel for decades. Many had PhDs from renowned, renowned universities there, but they had discarded their diplomas, their potential income, their way of life when they become missionaries. I remember some of the children came to see me. Pastor Ryu, I really do respect my parents. But why, why did they have to live like this? Can't Christian life without, live life without being subject to poverty, sacrifice, and cost? Yes, I replied. They could have stayed as respected professors and top-notch professionals in their fields, but they found something more valuable. They found a calling worth living and dying for because they discovered the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said to their children, your parents have chosen to pursue the high calling of, for God's kingdom. If I were to meet your parents in heaven someday, I would not be even fit to carry their sandals. I preach Jesus with my lips, but they preach Jesus with their lives. Brothers and sisters, why? Why must our calling to share the gospel be so costly? Why must we endure hardship in service to our king? Why are the chains so heavy when we become slaves to the gospel? Because we have to remember, we remember what Christ has done for us. We remember the costliness the costliness of his sacrifice. We remember the extravagance of his blood poured upon us. And we remember Jesus gave his only one life when ours was dying in sin. If you remember the costliness of the cross, you will be able to endure all hardship. But the church today suffers from spiritual amnesia. It is as if we have forgotten what the cross means. Evading hardship becomes the modern Christian's top priority. 
The apostle Peter even tried to make Jesus avoid the cross. Not the cross, my Lord. It is only when Peter remembered the costliness of the cross by the work of the Holy Spirit that he rejoiced in being beaten and killed for the sake of the Jesus. Let me ask you one question. When was the last time that you have suffered for the gospel? 복음을 위해서 정말 마지막으로 권한을 받아본 마지막 때가 언제입니까? When was the last time that you suffered for the gospel? Scripture promises that the seeds of hardship that are sown into our bodies will only bloom into glory both in this life and the next. Not only does the hope of the gospel necessitate our suffering, it thrives in the midst of it. Our Korean church was indebted by the American missionaries so much. It was 135 years ago when there are many youngsters, 20s and 30s American missionaries came to Korea and shed their precious blood in the land of Korea. Many of their children died in Korea even before 10. Ruby Kendrick was an American missionary who died in Korea at the age of 25. This is a letter that she wrote to her parents, the last moment of her life. Mother, father, this land of Korea is a truly a beautiful land. Everyone here resembles God's image. I see their good heart and zeal for the gospel, and I believe that in a few years, God will become, Korea will become a land overflowing with the love of Christ. I saw children walking barefoot over 10 miles to hear the gospel and to love the love of God in them continues to encourage me. But persecution grows as well. Two days ago, three of four of those who have accepted Jesus have been dragged away and killed for their faith. Missionary Thomas and James have been also martyred our mission board ordered us to return home, but most of us refused to leave. Instead, we are hiding and worshiping with those we have come to love in their gospel. Everyone here is resolved to die for the sake of the gospel. But tonight, I really want to return home. Mother, father, this might be the last letter I write to you. The seas that we planted in our backyard must be filling our neighborhood with the fragrance of flowers. I also hope to be such a seed so that the land of Korea would be filled with the flowers. And one day I know that many Koreans will be sown as seeds in other nations as well. As for me, I will bury my heart in this land. I have come to realize that this passion for Korea is not mine, but, for, but comes from God's heart. Mother, Father, I love you. Before this letter arrived home, just shy of her first anniversary as a missionary in Korea, Ruby Kendrick died as a martyr's death in Seoul, Korea. 
She was only 25 years old. She was buried in Korea at her request. The words engraved on her tombstone reads, If I had a thousand lives to give, Korea should have them all. Millions of Christians have gospel because of her suffering. And thousands of missionaries have been inspired by her to suffer in other nations because gospel thrives in suffering. Today, Korea is forever indebted to the gospel that Ruby Kendrick and so many other American missionaries planted in Korea. I was a professor at Chongshin University and Seminary for the last 10 years before I joined to our church now. Our our university in Korea was founded by American missionary Samuel Moffat. And many other universities and many other seminaries were founded by American missionaries. And most of them shed their precious blood in the land of Korea. The hardship that she endured only drove the gospel deeper into the rough soil of Korea. But we have become a generation that seeks the benefit of following Christ and not the suffering that follows. Too many pastors proclaim that the absence of suffering is a blessing in Christian life. Christians are literally known as followers of Christ. If we follow Christ, however, we must remember that we are following him to Calvary. Otherwise, what exactly are we following? When I was a professor for the last 10 years, every summer and every winter vacation, I spent my life in mission field. During the summer 2010, I had a short-time mission in China and went right away to Myanmar, where I taught trained underground church leaders. My teaching session was often interrupted when I fainted from sweating too much under the summer heat. I remember waking up, finishing the seminar, and getting back on a plane back to the U.S. The next day, I joined my wife, to depart for mission trip to Haiti when the earthquake had ravaged the land. There I passed out two more times and woke up only because IV drips had sustained me. My wife is a vascular surgeon. She was busy helping me. <laughs> My students who heard about this story asked me after vacation, Professor, Do you have to force yourself to preach the gospel at the cost of your health? Is it really necessary to push yourself so hard? Looking them in the eye, I replied, how can else the gospel spread without our suffering? In the cross, God has provided for no other paradigm. If we are to preach We have to be ready to accept suffering. Brothers and sisters in the gospel, 
Do our circumstances seem bleak? Does our mission seem impossible? Is our society hostile to our message? Then it is the perfect context for the truth of the gospel to flourish throughout suffering. Therefore, rejoice when you suffer. In it, the world will encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in verse 7, Paul has pursued the gospel of Christ with all his life energy, and he confesses, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Paul's life was life of a soldier, focused only upon Christ, beautiful in its simplicity and profound in its intensity. He has completed his campaign and proclaimed, I have kept the faith and I have finished the race. John Stefan Akari, he was a marathon runner from Tanzania at the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. When competing in the marathon, Akari cramped up due to high altitude of the city. At the 19-kilometer point, he fell, badly wounding and dislocating his key joint while his shoulder hit hard against the pavement. He, however, continued running, finishing last among 57 competitors who completed the race. By the time he came to the finishing line, his knee bandaged and bleeding, there was only a few people left in the stadium, and the sun had set. When interviewed and asked why he continued running, he said, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Isn't this a message that resonates in our hearts today? Isn't this something that we would like to confess at the end of our race, in the presence of God? In the hopelessness of this world we live in today, how can we keep the faith and be true to our calling? Paul tells us the secret in the last verse, verse 8. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. Paul's dedication and unwavering determination was possible, even in the face of suffering, because his eyes were fixed upon the returning Lord. His hope was in the coming Jesus. Let me ask you one final question. Do you really believe, brothers and sisters, do you really believe that Jesus Christ, our Lord, will come again? Yes. Amen. Yes. Does your heart of a heart ache to meet the Lord at the end of our good and worthy fight? One day, one day, our hero, our love will return and we will see him face to face. 
One day he will gaze upon our bodies which have been shattered like jars of clay. One day he will touch the violence and bruises that have been inflicted upon us. And on that day, we will consider suffering not as a sacrifice, but as a glorious privilege which identifies us with Jesus. On that day, God will smile upon our faces and vindicate us before all creation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have borne my gospel until the end. You carried the same yoke that I did. You suffered with me. Thank you, my dearly beloved. On that day, we will see tears of pride flow from the eyes of our Father and the songs of gratitude flowing from the lips of our Lord Jesus. So, until that day, if we live, we live for Jesus. If we die, we die for the gospel. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving us eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may we be the children of God who rejoice and give thanks for this grace. May every brother and sister in Great Grace Covenant Church experience the gospel of the cross, and live as a powerful witness of Jesus Christ. May Grace Covenant Church be the church that brings a spiritual awakening to Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C., and United States of America, and the whole end of the world, and bring glory, utmost glory to you. May we be soldiers for Christ, who march on to live and die for the high calling of Christ until the day of your return. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.